Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? It is your boy, C-Money on Meta Money, coming to you hot on another Thursday. And tell me how you're feeling, guys. Hit me up on Twitter, at CryptoStreetBats. You can email me at I'd like to be unknown at ProtonMail.com. The song of the week is Iconic Portraits Mutilated During the Spanish War by John Carroll Kirby. So we got a doozy here, folks. I'm not going to lie. I don't really have a topic, yet I do. I want to talk about trading. I want to talk about making money trading. And trading, don't get it confused with short-term trading. Trading can be long-term And I think that's the only real way to make money. There are some strategies about different time zones and how you can manipulate the movements of the market makers. And I'm going to get into that. I also want to talk about risk management. A lot of people are not properly risk managed and that is a problem, right? So I'm excited to talk about that. So let's just dive right in here. I think the most important thing is understanding what to invest in. How do you find good investment opportunities? Well, there's an old saying, and it goes, if you don't know who the fool in the room is, get up, because it's you. And it's a poker saying. And the same thing goes in the cryptocurrency market and stocks. I honestly have made more money reverse trading Bloomberg and cryptocurrency or sorry Coinbase notifications counter trading them so let's say Bloomberg is super bullish I'm shorting it let's say Coinbase they they have this notification Bitcoin just dropped 6% and there's no bias to it okay you get this notification and it's like Bitcoin just dropped. Well, you buy. When it says Bitcoin's up, you're short. And that's the big one. You have all these retail traders getting this notification. And so they buy. And it's exit liquidity for the whales. So that way price doesn't just go down straight away. For every buyer, there needs to be a seller. And when you have big orders, it's hard to find sellers. So you need to manipulate people to find, or to find buyers. So you need to manipulate people to be buyers when they normally wouldn't. So when you're looking at your risk, I think it's important to understand your goals. You can't just say your age. You can't just say whatever. Everybody's got a different life situation. You need to understand what you want. Do you want something that's going to make you a millionaire overnight? That's great. But you need to be prepared to lose everything as fast as you think you can make it. Um, a good way is options in the money out of the money options another good way are meme coins Shiba, Floka, Inu I mean people people made hundreds and thousands in the span of six days the problem is it goes down it's a Ponzi scheme right these projects aren't going to be around for five years And it's super volatile. Nobody's got time for that, right? So let's say you are young and you want to make money quick. So you put some money in here. That's good. 
but you need to look at your future, okay? Everybody needs what I call your bread and butter. What is your bread and butter? A lot of people don't even have a bread and butter. It is what you can go into the market with 100% of the time or 80% of the time and make money. For most traders, this is dividend incomes. This could be bonds. This could be staking yields, anything. But you need money coming in all the time, compounding. Don't even think about high-risk plays until you have that foundation. Once you build that foundation, then it's not a big deal when you're risking when you're risking free money, basically. And I'm sure everybody knows about the power of, oh man, compounding. There it goes. So when you when when you look at a long term play like bonds, like Apple, Tesla, Google, these companies are going to be around forever. You can buy them and you can give them to your kids. Every company is going to fail one day, but the best trading accounts have been the accounts where people have either died, they forgot their password, or they just held because legal reasons, whatever, you just hold. Nobody can ever beat the market. And in my eyes, if you're putting money in your Roth IRA, that money's done, okay? You, you basically put that money into a total risk bucket and throw it away. But the crazy part is, is it's not. You put it in something super unrisky. The thing is, is you need to stop thinking about it. You need to treat that money like you already lost it because that's the only way it's going to compound. If you sit here and you make trades and you do this, you're, you're paying fees, okay? Those fees add up especially in the typical conventional finance. So you need to be a long-term holder. I think everybody wants to be a scalper. They want to be able to snap their fingers and have millions. I think everybody wants to be a swing trader and trade on the weekly time frames. And it's possible. But you need to be so laser focused. You need to watch those charts in the shower. You need to watch those charts while you're getting dressed. And you need to think about them when you sleep. If you think that you can beat any of these bots, any of these banks, any of these venture capitals, because what do you have, right? What do you have? People think that it's easy. Well, if it was easy, everybody would make money. There's definitely a bit of luck to say that it's all skill and there's a certain formula. It's preposterous, guys. It is. I'm going to tell you some of my strategies to find undervalued good plays, not financial advice. But if that worked for me every time, there would be a huge inefficiency in the market. I would ruin the market. I would basically own earth if my strategy 
was perfect. And I think people need to understand that. And they're going to learn when I talk about my strategy. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work. And I'm going to have a lot of shout outs. So let's just stop beating around the bush and get on into it, right? How do you find undervalued companies? Well, you need to find an opportunity. There's a quote. Investing is like science. One must make a theory, an hypothesis. And then you test that hypothesis in a set parameter. And in science, if you're right, your hypothesis is right, you solve the big problem. Well, in finance, you get a first-class ticket to Paris. So I look at what makes a stock move. Clearly, it's the money, right? And so you start by looking at how much the stock, the crypto, the bond is trading at, okay? Then you take how many stocks, how many cryptos are in circulation, This number multiplied by the price gives you the market cap. So you can kind of think about it as a pie split up into a million pieces. And you can buy one share, one crypto. And eventually, if you you felt obligated, you could buy the whole pie. It's pretty interesting. And the baker, if they wanted to, they could cut the pie into smaller pieces. They could do stock splits, okay? We're looking at a stock split here with Sundial, but let me not get into that. (laughs) So now we got the market cap. That's important because it shows you what the market is valuing this particular project. Now, you want to look at other people doing the same thing and see what they're valued at. What's their market cap? That's the first step. What is your protocol, your program doing that's different? A lot of people would love their project to be different and their stock to be different, and it's just not. Okay? This is going away from commodities a little bit and bonds because clearly gold's never going to change, right? It's just gold. Bonds, you know, you got your low, your low yield, your, excuse me, your low yield bonds, your medium term bonds, and then your long high yield bonds. It's never going to change. You're never going to have any competitors other than maybe silver, other countries' bonds. But it's, I'm sure you guys can see the differences, okay? So you need to understand what your project does differently. And and how it's valued then you need to figure out why why is the market pricing my project less or more compared to its competitors and that is the hardest part it's so easy to say it's a lot easier in stocks a lot easier in stocks so then you find these arbitrage opportunities okay you see you see these companies that are doing a great job, but let's say they got a stupid name. And it, that stuff matters. So the guys with a good name are not even profitable, yet they've been around for a really long time. 
And then you got these new guys on the block who have a horrible name, but they're trading almost at cash value, you know, which means the asset that your protocol or company has is equivalent to the market cap. This is rare. And sometimes in depressions, you see this in a lot of other, you see this, it's actually pretty common in recessions. So I think, I think it's important to start with your competitors and what they do differently. And then you work back the management, the culture, the goal, and you start to formulate your own ideas. And you have to understand that you're not a genius, okay? If you see this stock trading lower, I guarantee you it's trading lower for a reason. I don't know if you've ever heard of the efficient market hypothesis, but this basically means that everything's priced in no matter what. This is 100% untrue. However, there's some truth to it like any saying, right? Obviously, the market doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow because if it did, it wouldn't be so volatile. At the same time, 98% of the time, the market's right. If you have a drug company and they're releasing a drug trial and the stock slowly ticks up, it's definitely, I can't say definitely, it's probably going to keep going up when they release their trials because insider trading is real and fraud is real no matter how anybody likes to live in their fairyland and tell themselves that that doesn't happen, let me see money be the first person to tell you it does. So you have to understand what the market's doing, and that's the hardest part. When you're looking on a short term and you're trying to f- you're, you're trying to scalp, one of the riskiest, easiest ways to lose money. You need to think about the world. You can't you can't trade in your laptop. You need to trade in the guy in New York's laptop. You need to trade on the guy in Shanghai's laptop because those are the people that are moving the market. Not you sitting in your little apartment sleeping on the floor. So you need to look at when the market's open. I guarantee you these rich guys, yeah, they can make trades whenever they want in cryptos. That's great. But they don't because people need a personal life, okay? You, Nobody's going to work 24-7 because it's not healthy. And for most people, it's easy for them to say, I'm just going to stick to doing what I'm doing and trade the New York Open. What ends up happening is when New York Open comes around, so that's when the New York Stock Exchange opens, you have probably, there's hundreds or at least a hundred blockchain companies that are on the NASDAQ and a bunch of liquidity, a bunch of money just flows into the market right at the New York open. It's the, the guys getting their trades in and this is going to sound weird, but when prices are falling, the buyers are in control for every seller there is a buyer. If prices are falling, that means someone's buying all that, what people are selling, okay? That's the type of games these market makers play. 
It's all about getting your money at the end of the day and running a business. So when prices are going down, especially fast, on the New York Open, and I'm talking within minutes or 30 minutes, usually it reverses and it comes back to what it was doing or if price was going down, it'll go up after the New York reversal. If it's going up, it'll go down. And sometimes these guys in New York have caught on to this, guys like me, and they trick us or they try to. And that's why this scalping strategy is so hard because the market is so dynamic. It's basically like playing war and war being the card game where you and your friends would get half the deck and you just flip your cards. That's kind of all this is because you don't know you don't know everybody on earth and who's going to invest and, and, and what and what time and, and why they're doing what they're doing. If their wife's leaving them so they need to pay for their lawyer. You don't know that. So there's no way to tell. As far as risk management, I think the most important thing is to understand what you're okay to lose. Most people have this thing of, oh, only invest what you're okay to lose. Yeah, no, screw that. Because you can have risk-free trades. And that sounds crazy, but a wheel. I mean, there definitely is some risk. However, if you're knowing what you're doing, you need, and you're young, and you're trying to become something, you only need to be right once. And when you're right, go all in. Don't, don't wait. That being said, C-Money is not telling you to do high margin plays. What's margin? Well, margin is basically a loan from the market makers. And we're going to use the example 2 to 1. Let's say you have $50 and you want to leverage trade 2 to 1. So the market basically says, okay, 2 to 1. We're going to basically multiply 50 by 2, giving you $100 to trade. However, if your if your um, trade goes negative a certain amount, you will be liquidated and you're going to lose all your money. When it's a 1 to 1, it's 50%. Pretty simple. One to one is easy. Don't do anything over 5x. At 7x, you're looking at about. I actually got it right here. 4 to 5x, you only have 23% of wiggle room. When you have 7 le- 7x leverage, you only have 14% of moving room before you get you lose all your money. And when you're in cryptos, that's ridiculous. However, if you buy Bitcoin on a 1 to 2 leverage, it's very unlikely that Bitcoin is going to crash 50%. And it's not going to happen overnight. So you should have some time to react. That's the goal. We did. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard because Bitcoin literally just dropped 50%. So... It's tough, but you need to take advantage of what's available to you. And I think leverage is a tool. It just needs to be used correctly. I think the last thing 
I want to talk about trading is don't become a moon boy. When you see all these people talking about the same thing, I'm going to use an example. AMC. AMC to the moon. Okay. Well, look at the SEC filings. Okay. Every company in America and Canada is required to file documents to the government. In America, it is called the uh, Seeger, S-E-G-A-R, and, or Edgar, I'm sorry, Edgar. In Canada, it's called Cedar. So, you have so much information about who, how much the company owes, how much the company's bringing in in cash, its obligations, how much they pay on rent, how much they're paying for employees, how much it costs to buy the business. A lot of useless information, and that is there. Just like lawyers, they like to make things confusing to give themselves a job. (laughs) So there's a lot of useless information, and there's a lot of useful information that you have to decide which is which. AMC, in 2019, was... 8 bucks or so. Okay. Or no, I'm sorry, 20 bucks. Something like that. 20 bucks. 13 bucks. COVID hits. AMC goes down to a dollar or two. AMC needs money bad. Roaring Kitty just released a video or had been releasing videos for months about this GameStop short squeeze. 113% of GameStop shares. So you have 113% of a pie. How is that even possible? It's not. Was basically bought and sold and someone said, I'll give you these shares back on next year. And you had all these, and AMC looked bankrupt. Well, then you got, or, or GameStop looked bankrupt, AMC looked bankrupt. And what ended up happening was, the short squeeze happened on GameStop and AMC followed because retail traders do what retail traders do and they don't actually do their research. So AMC stock starts to rise pretty quick. It is also a shorted stock. AMC though would probably have gone to hundreds of dollars like GameStop if they did not release more shares. If you remember in the beginning of the podcast, I said a market cap is the price times the amount of shares. So AMC, people are buying, and they're, every time someone buys a share, they just make another one. It's literally a money printer, and within two years, I believe, they, pr- they made 20 times the shares they had pre-pandemic. AMC was trading at $40. Guys, it was the easiest short I've ever had. Because I went on Twitter, and people, no matter what, were crying, literally. Thank you guys, you're my family. No matter what happens, I love you. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Nobody was, nobody said, hey, this thing might go down. I'm sitting there like, what are you guys doing? You know, like, what's 
Are you guys looking at the shares outstanding? They said, well, it's a short perpetual gamble squeeze. God knows what the hell that means. A perpetual gamma squeeze? Dude, I read I read books by Benjamin Graham and Warren Buffett. I'm not trying to say I'm like some genius investor, but what the hell is a freaking short-term perpetual gamma squeeze? Like, get out of here, dude. That didn't make any sense. And I said, well, we'll see. Remember me. That's what I said. Remember me. Remember me. And today MC is trading at fifteen dollars. It's probably going back to bankrupt. I think AMC would probably go to zero. Ain't nobody like AMC. I mean, especially with their political their political controversies. Please look into it. I mean, I'm not trying to pump my short or nothing, but they're seriously funneling all this money to Donald Trump, which hey, kudos to you, whatever. I don't mind that. I'm not political. But uh, if your company's going under, maybe you shouldn't be spending so much money on politics. But the thing is, is when you're rich like that, it doesn't matter to them. At the end of the day, their company's valued at a billion dollars or so. And the only person that's losing money are the apes, the retail traders who were too lazy to actually do the research of what the company's actually doing ridiculous it's just ridiculous Woo Network when I got into it it just they had zero fees for trading and its market cap was extremely low and so I'm thinking this will this will be one inch and it is say it's one inch and I'm thinking this is gonna be Uniswap and it will be I think I think it's already a little bit better However, it's not decentralized in my eyes. We can see, we can talk about that in another podcast. But when you look at Hather Network and their Hather Swap and their app on the App Store, dude, that's blowing Cardano out of the water. That's blowing Solana out of the water. But those are traded at 100 times market cap. Guys, does that make sense to you? I mean, they're they're doing it better. Why aren't they higher valued? Well, I'll tell you why. They're new. That's all it is. They're new. They're new. And it'll happen. It will happen. So look for opportunities. They're always out there. And don't be afraid to be wrong. But more importantly, don't be afraid to be right. Don't set some narrative in your head like Bitcoin's going to go to the moon. And then you see a head and shoulders pattern forming on the daily candlesticks. And you're thinking, hey, I should short this. But man, the supply and this and that, it doesn't make sense. You need to take what's in front of you. It's just like poker. You could have the best hand, but when they go to show that river draw or whatever, that hand can go to zero quick, son. And same thing with, same thing with investments. 
it's always the dynamic. There's no shame in closing a trade the second you open it because it's your power. You need to be in control. You're the one pushing the button. Don't sit there for the market makers to play around with your money and your liquidity. Because I guarantee you, if you buy and hold on an exchange for a couple days, that's exactly what they're doing. If you're buying, hold. Period. This is your boy, C-Money, coming at you guys another Thursday. Like, I think everybody comes and they're so tacky. They're not themselves. You got Up Only Podcast. It's only full of tool bags, okay? The only genuine podcast I know is Joe Rogan, and he's got a freaking monkey in the intro. So what does that say about his audience? To me, it says they're retarded. They're primitives. Fuck. If you just listen to it, Up Only Podcast draws their users in with rockets. I mean, it's called Up Only. Can we get real here? Who's who's listening to this crap? Like, where's the personality? Where's the fun? Where's the passion? You got Pompolino. He's such an idiot. Bitcoin's gonna go up. And then you got this you got this dork, Will Clemente, reading his little on chain analytics. Hey guys, join my paid group. Hey dude, how about you how about you and your little your little paid group drive off a cliff? Because nobody wants your BS freaking on chain analytics. And the people that do are just too stupid to realize why they want it in the first place. Because if they realize why they'd want it in the first place, they'd probably be smart and just get a dang job. Because you're not going to make it following your stupid trades. And you're not going to make it following Up Only Podcast. And you're not going to make it following the Pompolino Podcast. And Newsflash, you're not going to make it listening to my podcast. Well, you might. Because you might. I'm just, I, I feel like I really do bring value. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here, oh yeah, rocket ship, rocket ship. No, nah, man, I'm telling you guys to put some shorts on the board. I'm telling you guys to deleverage. Be careful about your risk. Next time I see a rocket, I'm literally going to freaking throw something. I'm going to punch a hole in the wall. Up only. And then they get Vitalik Buterin, the creator of the best asset ever made. What is... Ethereum. That made you lose so much merit to go on a podcast with 38-year-old losers. Can't you guys find JP Morgan to host the podcast or something instead of some 38-year-old beanie hat guy with a poor shave? Let's get real here. If we're trying to change the world, we're not going to do it with a bunch of smelly men. Grown men who probably should be doing something else with their time. But they made NFTs back in the day. So now they got $100,000 because it's a big old Ponzi scheme because they needed, the mafia needed to wash their money through illegal gambling sites because the odds are rigged and there's no, there's no uh, regulations on cryptocurrency gambling sites so they can just funnel it through their little freaking podcast. I know what you guys are doing. Funneling through your little NFTs. Well, guess what? The FBI is coming for you, turds. And all these rocket emojis are going to come and bite you in the freaking butt. And it's hurting me and it's hurting all the other cryptocurrency investors. So I'll tell you what, Kobe. You're a freaking loser. And Pompolino? 
you make bad you make bad content. However, I respect it because you work hard. Bitboy Crypto, go on a treadmill, man. This guy is the worst. He literally gets paid. Kind of similar to my Hather Network. However, my Hather Network's an affiliate link. Okay. I might just stop doing the Hather Network. I'm just going to say I'm sponsored by Hather Network and not even tell you guys the code. Because I don't want you anyone to think I'm making money off my people. But BitBoy Crypto will get a sponsorship. $15,000 a video. Jeez. Who's paying for that crap? Well, why? Because they're getting hundreds of thousands. So BitBoy Crypto gets his little... His little 15000 and then he says, hey guys, look with this, this new revolutionary project. Hold on, I'm hungry, let me eat a fast food McDonald's burger. Bitboy Crypto is a scam. It's so frustrating. What does the SEC do? What does the FBI and the CIA do? Because they are the biggest failure at all? Are we going to keep keep making rocket podcasts of Ponzi schemes and make money off of that crap? whatever man i'm done with my rant this is c money signing out here with meta money thanks for tuning in peace